While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. In this episode, we're going to take a walk through Habersham County, starting with the beginnings of settlement by non-Native Americans. And the basis for my research here is a 1970 article by Joan Sears called Town Planning in Georgia. Now, the title itself didn't exactly draw me in, but this turned out to be a pretty fascinating subject. In the 1800s, as people began to move into northeast Georgia, they, of course, used the existing trails established by the Native Americans. Entering Georgia from the east, the Cherokee Trail would take travelers to a spot near Clayton known as the Dividings, where a traveler could choose from five trails to follow. The Unicoi Trail would lead south and would run near what is now Clarksville and through the Nicucci Valley. Highway 17 and 441 roughly follow the path of Cherokee Trails out of the Dividings. Once a potential settler reached the Dividings, though, they needed to know their destination, and the first system for distributing land ceded by the Native Americans is known as the Headright System. It distributed large tracts of land to Revolutionary War veterans and other potential settlers. This plan came to an end in the wake of the Yazoo land fraud scandal in which the Georgia legislature allocated huge properties to companies which then broke them up and sold them to individuals. Companies won preferential treatment in the land allocation through outright bribes and by promising legislators a share of their profits. Sometimes the same land would even be sold twice to two different companies. A lot of this land was in the western part of Georgia, and you'll remember from previous podcasts that Georgia at this time stretched nearly to the Mississippi River. Most of the land involved in the Yazoo land fraud would later become the states of Alabama and Mississippi. In 1800, there were about 170,000 non-Native American settlers in Georgia. The revised system, the land lottery, would see that number grow to nearly 700,000. Habersham County was surveyed from 1818 to 1819, where it was divided into 10 sections, and those sections were then further divided into lots of 250 acres for farmland or 490 acres for mountain land. In 1820, that land was distributed through a land lottery. Into one drum went the name of the qualified applicant. These were families with at least one child, widows with children, or males that had lived in Georgia for at least one year. Names might be put into the drum more than once. Things like war service, more years of residence, or your age could result in your name being put in the drum more than once. The lot numbers were placed in another drum, and those whose names were drawn would have the right to buy that lot for roughly seven cents an acre. Land lotteries ran from 1805 until 1833 and changed Georgia from a group of enormous land holdings controlled by British aristocratic families into a patchwork of family farms. And it's important to know that many of the families who made their homes on those land parcels did not, in fact, win them in the lottery, but instead bought them from those who did. The more mountainous lots especially would be sold to those individuals who felt they could make a living on the land, and, and the owners, who were usually farmers, were glad to sell it. 
Now that the land had been parceled out, the first immediate need was a courthouse. Disputes over land borders were inevitable and those would need to be sorted out. The 1818 law establishing Habersham County mandates that a courthouse and a jail be built as close to the center of the county as possible, that five justices be elected and those five hire clerks, county surveyors, sheriffs, and coroners. Those clerks immediately set to work finalizing land claims from their land lottery and laying the groundwork for the next one. There were eight or nine in total. This was the beginnings of the Georgia town, the place where the stagecoach stopped, where the newspaper was printed, where traveling justices would conduct the matters of the court, and where elections were held. Clarksville was laid out, generally in what is called the Courthouse Town Plan, a plan that many southern towns had followed since their founding and which can also be seen in the grid system in downtown Cleveland. The courthouse would be surrounded by a lawn and boxed in by streets forming the courthouse square. Here would spring up hotels, stores, and those other basic elements that create town life. The courthouse square could be a gathering place for rallies or for celebrations like the 4th of July. In Clarksville, the courthouse was not placed in the center of the town plan, even though the courthouse square is very different now than it was when it was originally built. You can see that most of the gridwork streets are to one side of the square. The town square was basically built on a ridge, and the land falls off pretty quickly on three sides. It was incorporated in 1823, and within six years, Clarksville included 23 homes, four stores, six mechanics, two doctors, four law offices, a courthouse, a jail, and a school. It was named after General John Clark, who was governor of Georgia from 1819 to 1823. Cornelia was originally named Blaine, possibly named after an 1884 presidential candidate. The name was changed to Rabin Gap Junction when the first railroads came through. Not being the county seat, it was laid out very differently. In this case, the priority wasn't forming a nucleus for the residents of the county, it was all about the railroad. In 1882, a line was opened that led from Cornelia north to Tallulah Falls. A fellow named Henry Smith, using some connections with the Blue Ridge Railroad, facilitated the railroad builders to construct a junction between two railroads on his property, which he then divided into lots for a town. His property and that of another landowner to the north was divided into a grid pattern of streets. The town was incorporated in 1887 with the center of the town being not the courthouse because there wasn't one of course, but the reason for this town which was the railroad depot. And the story is that one of the lawyers involved in putting together the connection between the two railroads at that particular spot named the town Cornelia in honor of his wife. It's a good story and I haven't found anything to say otherwise, so let's go with it. In the 1900s, the town plan was improved to include curved streets and public parks, and these improvements were designed by a surveyor named J.A. Reynolds. He was influenced by the work of Frederick Law Olmsted, who used grid-like patterns and naturalistic components when he created Central Park in New York City. J.A. Reynolds would return to create the basic plan for a nearby city, Demarest.
The Demarest Home, Mining, and Improvement Company initially owned a thousand acres of land in what would become the town of Demarest, then recruited people from the north to come settle the area. When Georgia was first formed by James Oglethorpe, alcohol was not to be tolerated inside its borders. And even though that law had been thrown away quite a while ago, in this case it was the same for Demarest. Residents of that first 1,000 acres could lose the right to their property if they were found in possession of spiritous liquors. J.A. Reynolds' plan follows the basic contours of the land. A lake was constructed by damming the river and parks were set aside. The fact that there was a lot of water in the downtown area from the lake and the five springs influenced the layout of the streets in the residential areas. The railroad depot was on the far side of the lake and industrial areas were on the edge of town near the railroad line and near the falls where power could be created. Clarksville was the county seat, Cornelia was the center for the railroad, and Demarest was also built with a plan in mind. The town was named after William Jennings Demarest, a publisher of magazines and sewing patterns from New York City. He was a loud voice for prohibition and ran for mayor of New York City and for president with the intent of outlawing alcohol. He died in 1895, six years after the town named after him was incorporated. Besides being a health-oriented resort, the city had several industries and eventually the J.S. Green Collegiate Institute, which later became Piedmont University. As interest in the town as a tourist attraction faded, the college grew by incorporating hotels and other buildings in the area as part of its campus. And I do have one more thing to say about Habersham County, but first I want to remind you that Moving Through Georgia is a history podcast focusing on Northeast Georgia. If you have any questions or constructive criticism, I'd love to hear it at movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. That's all one word. The first courthouse in Clarksville was made of wood, and it served for a few years, then it was turned into a bank as a new brick courthouse was built on the side of the square. This building stood until 1898, and I have seen one photograph of it. It looks very similar to the courthouse in Cleveland. In 1898, Habersham County was considerably larger than it is now, and the residents of the county's fastest-growing city, which was Tekoa, felt that the county seat should be moved there. The issue was put to a vote, and the result said Clarksville was to remain the county seat. That year, a mysterious explosion damaged the Habersham Courthouse. There isn't a lot of detail available, but the explosion was mostly blamed on those who wanted to see the county seat moved out of Clarksville. It didn't work. The courthouse on the square was demolished and replaced, which was then replaced in 1963 by the ugly building that stands just off the square today. Those who wanted to see a courthouse in Tekoa eventually got it when Stevens County was formed out of part of Habersham County. Of course, there is a new courthouse in Clarksville, and the eventual fate of the building that stands today is yet to be decided. Everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The yellow man left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right left walk on your heel and toe. From an aid that pretty gal to Georgia. That's all.